Hi, I'm David Crow, and I'm joined by Sarah Ives. We are experienced coaches working in the field of coaching for over 20 years. This is our podcast about our own personal experience of what lies beneath coaching conversations. We aim for a recipe of good conversation, some practical wisdom, a small dollop of theory, and a soup song of humor. In this episode, we look at the question, do we learn as we get older? Are we fixed in our hardwiring as adults, or do we have the capacity to learn and grow? We share some hard-won life lessons for each of us around things like self-compassion, holding boundaries, and staying connected with others. We hope you enjoy the show. So this second episode came about from a blog article that I wrote, which was, uh, I hit 20 years, and I had no idea, it came up on LinkedIn, and said, you know, you've done 20 years of work. Uh, and I thought, what would what would be good to do? And I ended up writing a blog about 10 life lessons uh, in terms of things that I've learned over the years. Uh, so the idea is, you know, do we learn as we get older? I guess, I hope that we do. Um, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> but maybe starting off by asking you, what? How did you get, how did you become a coach? What led you into coaching? I think it's quite interesting the concept of being led into it. I think I probably wandered into coaching rather than was led into it, or it became a conscious decision. I'm going to become a coach. Um, I think. I think I've always seen myself in that trusted advisor role is probably where I started off. Um, and then I was actually um, encouraged to go and learn how to become a coach by someone you and I both know, by Annie Kimblin. Mm. And um, and she said, I think, I think you'd really enjoy uh, learning to become a coach. I, little did I know where it would lead me. So, yes, I think I've always been interested in what others have got to say. Clearly, I've always got something to say as well. But I think that sort of I wandered in and was encouraged into coaching by others um, and have had to adapt that trusted advisor into more of a, a listening role. But it's genuinely my interest mm. in what others have got to say. Yeah. How about you? I think some of the things I said in the first episode uh, from an early age, uh, practicing listening and being there for other people, uh, and being open about it there's probably a little bit of the Jungian idea of the wounded healer you know in terms of how I've I've got into what I do I learn a lot by helping others so in terms of my coaching practice I probably work with quite a few hundred people in the last 20 years and I've learned a huge amount from them um you know so there is something about the, the wisdom that you gain from being there for other people and hearing other people uh, and I love it. I mean, I've finally found, because I've bounced around all sorts of different things. In, yeah. you know, I found something that I just love doing and I'm moderately good at, I think. <laughs> <laughs> moderately good at. Right, okay. <laughs> Did you learn to be modest as well? At, as we grow older, yeah, our modesty increases. Yeah. As long as it's not a faux modesty. <laughs> So let, let's ask you, what, what's your what's what's the top thing for you in terms of the life lessons? Oh, top things for me. Um, it's interesting when we were looking at this and trying to, th- you know, it, what would you tell your younger self, or what have you learned through your your coaching, being coached and coaching practice? Yeah. Um, 
and I think there's lots of themes that emerge. And I think your blog was was so good at kind of capturing a lot of that. I think one of the things for me is around resilience, what I've learned about resilience. I think resilience is slightly um, overused as a term at the moment. It's kind of this ability to bounce back and particularly where we are in the, the peri-pandemic stage. So we say we're not quite finished with a pandemic, but there is a lot written about resilience. Um, and I think it doesn't do it justice. I think one of the lessons for me is around how you nurture your resilience. Because I don't think resilience is something that we just learn to do, sign off and then put on the shelf. I think it's a it's almost like a pot that we're born with and we fill it up at times mm. it's drained at other times um, and for me it's noticing what that pot is for you um, and as you get older or as you mature shall we say or as you develop I think the resilience pot becomes more and more important so our ability to if you look at the definition of what resilience is the ability to bounce back mm -hmm. sometimes gets reduced I think for me, it's proportionate to how much I'm doing, how much, whether I'm overloaded. I think my resilience yeah. drains. Um, and I think I've always understood that concept that when I get drained, this is, you know, my pot running out almost. Yeah. I'm not sure um, I understood until I started to coach and, and get older, if, if that's the concept we're looking at, how you refill that pot. And I think that's what I've learned is I understand that I have a, a pot of resilience or a, a bucket of resilience. It empties now and again. But what do I do to refill it? I think that's a key thing for me is, is thinking about those things. OK, so the, the, the natural next question, I guess, is, you know, what do you do? What, 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 how do you? I mean, I, I was absolutely with you and I started thinking about, um, whether it's a pot or a bucket or a reservoir, you know, what, what is it? What is it that brings that that, that means that there's a hose pipe going into it, or there's yeah. water coming down from the hills that that fill it up? Yeah, I'm going to go away from the bucket things. So you know me; I don't. I'm, I'm not a great lover of the bucket list. But um, do you know? It's interesting. I was thinking sometimes to look at how we learn as we get older. It's looking at our younger selves. Mm. And I think I used to pride myself on being a bit of a rubber ducky. You know, I'm not going to drown in this. I'm just going to bounce up every time something squashes me down. Yeah. And I think I have that huge be strong element. Um, I don't know whether that's my maternal northernness, but I, it's hot wired into me to be strong and resilient. Um, so I think I didn't fill it up at all. I think I just thought it was a great method for coping is just bouncing back. Looking now at what I do to refill it, um, I think it's so I make an effort to avoid things that drain me. Um, I don't always know that I'm aware when the trigger happens, but I do know when I feel like uh, so big groups, late nights, negative people. Those are three things that drain me <laughs> at times. Yeah. So big groups, not all of the time, but when my resilience is low, when the reservoir is emptying out, I find big groups, I have to kind of get the energy to go up into another group. You know, that socialising side of me, um, I need a reset from that. So those are three things. Um, 
being flexible, um, which is difficult for me. It's really difficult. I'm, you know, super structured. In fact, uh, my husband, Johnny, said I do um, plan spontaneity. <laughs> so uh, being flexible is something that I think when I am draining the resilience pot, I become more rigid and inflexible. And to refill it, I just have to go with the flow a bit more. I have to not try and uh, beat myself up about things. Uh, if something isn't going to go quite as planned, accept it a little bit more. And that builds, it sounds bizarre, but that does build up the tank for me. Um, I don't think that's easy to do when you're younger, if you have that structured outlook. I think as you get older, you become more tolerant and you learn to be more flexible. Um, I could include my yoga in there as well about being more flexible. <laughs> but again, those those are things for me that build resilience. So we're yeah. not just talking about um, things that we do in terms of our working practice. There's that, uh, not a spirituality bit, but there's the, the thing about taking care of our body as well for me. Um, and that doesn't mean running a marathon for me. That's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> Half marathon? <laughs> 10k? <laughs> 10k. Yeah, 5k walk. That's, that's me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And only if I was, you know, sponsored to do it. So these are all things for me. I've, I mean, when I was thinking about it a little bit more, it, so learning to relax. Um, and I would have thought I'm quite a calm, relaxed person. But actually monitoring that almost, looking at... Um, ways of doing that. I do something called heart math, which really helps me look at actually what's going on physiologically. I think sometimes too much store is set by that. For example, you know, Apple, all sorts of different mechanisms now will monitor your heart rate, say you're not relaxed. That's not helpful. Mm. Um, but learning that relaxation side for me, which is again, a difficult thing for me. I'm not a naturally yogic spiritual uh, seeker of wisdom. It's something I've learned to do mm. as I've aged and accepted more that I'm not a rubber ducky. I do need some things to build me up a little bit. Um, yeah, so quite a lot of that for me has, has helped my resilience. What about your resilience though? Anything other? I, I have some really good things there that you've talked about. Uh, but I think it's, it's knowing <clears throat> for me really integrating with what you said it's knowing that this thing is a movable feast and you can fill it and it gets drained and also knowing what it is that you need to do to top it up i think perhaps if i go back to my younger self i just kind of like i don't know, hit the skid sometimes because i didn't know um enough about what it was that 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 helped me and so for me the some of the similar things i think it's time out um, it's reading. Um, I play music. I play the piano and the guitar, and I sing. And um, it's. I, I also try and do a bit of mindfulness every day. But then I, I've got this strange thing where if I'm really busy, I forget to do the mindfulness, which is the thing that I need to do most. You know, <laughs> it's the most, makes the day go calmer and easier, and all those sorts of things. But I think I think absolutely, there's something about understanding um going beyond the kind of the sense of resiliency or the resilient bounce back and all that stuff hmm. to knowing what it is that that kind of fills or or empties you i suppose yeah 
I guess also I'm mindful, mindful that I gave a long list, a bullet list there. And actually, if I were telling my younger self, I would just say, pick one thing that's just going to fill it up a little bit and start yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Don't go for a big bullet list like like I would normally do. <laughs> Not a mind map, it's always going to be a bullet list. <laughs> so I guess resilience key for both of us. And what what else rose up for you in terms of what you learnt? My top thing, really, my my number one is around self awareness and, and, and growth. And um, I'm what I would describe as a de- development junkie. You know, I, I I have had this thing where I, I was very introverted and quiet and shy uh, growing up, and I uh, for me there's something about the ways in which I've gone about understanding myself and knowing myself more, which has been really important. Part of that uh, is around, I've done therapy, uh, and in doing that, I've also had coaching. And in doing that, I think it's helped me to understand who I am much more. I guess we all have a decision to make in life in terms of, if I use the metaphor of scaffolding, we build the scaffolding and I go into attachment theory and all the rest of it. But, you know, some of our basic tenets as people are formed very early on. And so we create this persona. And I think there is something about if that scaffolding doesn't work terribly well, if it creaks a bit or it's like bits of it to fall off, do you go back and start again or do you just build on what you've already got? And, and my premise my principle would be actually sometimes we need to go back and and be aware that there is some rebuilding to do um i do think and a, a theory alert here that there is that you know that there is some there's some really good things in neuroplasticity this idea that uh, neurons that that fire together wire together that we actually can learn which is i think really affirming as a piece of um evidence that we, we found from from the neuroscience research is that we can change we absolutely can change and we if we trigger things enough and if we reflect on things enough it takes us into a different place so i feel very different to the person i was as a child and, and one of the final bit <laughs> a bit of theory here is that sometimes i see um in some of the people, a few of the people I work with, where there are some patterns of behavior that they've got stuck in, which is to do with their original scaffolding. Yeah. And I'm fascinated by this Freudian idea of uh, repetition compulsion, where people are sort of compelled to go through again and again until there's, there's a stepping away to say, what am I doing here? There's a fantastic poem autobiography in nine verses or something you know it's, it's that, that idea that you you fall into the hole three or four times and then you go down another street ultimately and don't don't go don't go into that hole at all but i think there's something about do we have that mindset which is about growth and is about learning all the way through not just at, when you're young when you're middle-aged when you're old you know it's, it's all the way yeah i i I totally agree with that. And I think that a core part of coaching, you know, being coached initially was raising that self-awareness and those moments where um, 
one thing that really sticks out for me in terms of that scaffolding and deconstructing it for me was receiving a bit of feedback, um, unsolicited feedback. Uh, and to my horror, not how brilliant our interaction had been. This was pre my coaching days. But um, it was somebody who I worked with and who we had lots of, you know, good conversations, lots of what you would call banter. But she fed back to me at one point to say, you know, sometimes you think you're being funny and actually what you're doing is ridiculing other people. And the horror that I felt at having that feedback, I can still feel it now. And it was a good uh, 30 years ago. And we're still friends, by the way, as well, despite her feedback. <laughs> but it really caused, it took me off onto a cycle. Um, this is a bit about that compulsive side of it. The first bit of that feedback was, of course, to send me into the, who does she think she is talking to me like that? You know, telling me something, you know, I'm just funny. And then I got into this analysis phase of, that's just at my core, you know, my sort of northern, I was brought up with all that, the humour, the, the, you know, mm. the taking the mick out of each other. But actually, the, from somebody else's perception, is that sometimes that comes across as just being unkind or ridiculing. Um, and I suppose that sort of deconstructed my scaffolding straight away. And I think over the years, I've definitely been more mindful of that. I've definitely managed myself and thought about where it would land. So that self-awareness bit can sometimes be quite painful. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why we go down different routes because it's, it's, atta it's not attacking our core, but it's challenging our core yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So not, we don't always bring good stuff in yeah. when we're being self-aware. We're looking at our, you know, warts and all. So... Oh, that's really brave of you to say that. And uh, you don't take the mickey out of me too much, which I'm, I'm grateful <laughs> for. I'm not but... to ridicule anymore. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so what's, what's your second, what's your, your second life lesson? Actually, this is quite an interesting one. So, you know, we, we, we bounce it around a little bit. It's not actually, it flows for me, that resilience, being self-aware. And then this one has definitely come later for me is challenging and holding boundaries. And I'm not sure I've been very good at this, as I say, when I was younger. I don't think I'm particularly about pleasing others, but doing the right thing um, and not being dutiful. But I think that was a, a core part of me. Um, and then, of course, my background is clinical. It's nursing. Mm. And I went into a profession where challenging uh, <laughs> had some consequences, let's say, in professional boundaries and things like that. So I think I learnt to challenge less because it was an easier place to sit. P particularly in sort of the, my early 20s, I would probably go along with things that were uh, easy and fun sometimes rather than that were difficult and harder to get. But I think as you get older, that challenging the way others behave towards you is really important. It's certainly something that forms oh, a huge part of my coaching practice is helping others challenge people's behaviours, the way people are, and challenge themselves as well to step up into the space. So I think it's a key one for me is, has been learning to do it. It's that courage you know, it's not the Cinderella complex. It's stepping into it 
being brave. And I think bravery comes with age for a lot of us, not all of us, not all of us. People like Greta Thunberg, you know, you can't say that she doesn't challenge and push boundaries. She's a real example of that. She's had a lot of kickback as a result. And she's an exception. I think quite often we go through and we we keep the peace. Um, The holding boundaries, uh, that's a a work in progress for me still. Um, I can be quite leaky with boundaries, um, trying to help others. Back into water again. (laughs) Back by water analogies. (laughs) Um, And I think they remain a challenge for me. And it often comes back to me being clear about my expectations and doing that early with people, particularly in a professional environment, but also uh, also personal too. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I think that is still something that I'm working on, the, the boundaries bit. Mm. Um, and for you? It's great. What you, I, I think um, certainly if we think about in the coaching arena, there's lots of things now out there around courageous conversations, yeah. around conflict management, around negotiation. Uh, so I think, I, think it's, I think it is important and I think, um, you know, I think you can be brave when, you, when you're younger. You know, um, uh, certainly I can think of people like my daughter who's very brave, um, you know, but um, certainly I, it, it's come to me later. Uh, and I think there's a way of doing it where you you can still respect the other person, but but hold that, and I've I've, I've definitely learned to say no more often. That's one of my litmus tests. <laughs> can I, if I don't want to go and do something, if I don't want to go out to a meeting, can I find it within myself to not do the people pleasing and say, yeah, absolutely, I'll be there when I, you know, I'm too tired or whatever. So. Um, yeah, I, I think holding boundaries. Do we do we know what those boundaries are? Um, do we know what we we ourselves want? I suppose. Yeah, I think being clear on your boundaries is. Uh, I often feel that you know we talk about that in the coaching uh, environment, but do we actually play it out for ourselves? And sometimes I think you know I'm now thinking, well, I need to go back and have a look at that, having just told you how busy I am and. <laughs> third one for you david a third life lesson okay i think it's my second but is it your is it your only your second have i filled the space so much i didn't hold that very well did i no it's fine it's fine um my second one is is self-compassion and that has been um that's been a a, a kind of long road uh, and it's still got some somewhere to go but i think there is something for me that is around um being able to it's about self-care and actually has a lot of lot of links to resilience but it's knowing um <clears throat> certainly generationally and I'm, I'm not trying to sort of have a pop at my parents and saying this but it's perhaps a different time and they were of their time but their philosophy and their outlook on life was a lot about be there for others and meant that there was a lot of focus on the external world you know, my dad's case in teaching and my mum's case in nursing. And it's taken me a long time to say that actually I can look after others. I can be there for others if I look after myself. And there's something about, and I can't remember, there's a, there's a quote from Buddha that says, you know, there's, no more, more, there's nobody more important than you are. 
in order to do the things of service to other people. So I think there's something about the importance of self-compassion. Um, maybe the, um, the how I do a bit of mindfulness practice on a, on, a, on a daily basis, which some stuff it's got things around affirmations. I think there's something about lessons come when we're ready. And that goes perhaps back to the scaffolding if we are self-aware enough to look at the scaffolding and look at the changes. Um, and I don't, I, th I think there's also a place we've, there's been quite a lot in coaching circles around challenge and boundaries. And I think some of that is really good, but there's also something about the, the flip side of that, which is being able to say, you know what, I don't want to do this. So for example, for me, um, I remember one particularly painful experience where I ended up uh, presenting to a room full of people where uh, the person that had gone on before me was was almost like watching a comedian. I mean, he was just amazing. But yeah. I, there's something about large groups of people for me, which is really anxiety provoking. It's probably that's not unusual for, for, yeah. for people. But there's something about being able to say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So we talk about taking on challenges, but there's also this ability to say, how does that make me feel if I think about doing that? So I think self-compassion is, and it's that self-talk that is about saying, you're doing okay. That was a bit tough. You could have managed that perhaps a bit differently, but on the whole, you're fine. And I, I, I've got better at that. It's been a long journey, but I have got better at it. It's quite interesting as a concept, isn't it, that I think often it's belittled, particularly self-care into, you know, having a hot bath, um, an early night. Uh, but I mean, they might be things that help. But I find it it's fascinating to say that actually giving yourself permission to step back, say no, it's not all about stepping into new adventures challenging yourself to bungee jump or, or whatever it might be. Uh, sometimes it is recognising those boundaries as well. Yeah, um, It's almost like the mirror image of uh, challenging and holding boundaries, isn't it? It's saying, mm. yeah, so you don't always have to challenge. It can be draining and, yeah, yeah. interesting. So what about your third one? What's your third one? <laughs> it's my third one this time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, interestingly, this is their being prepared to plough your own furrow. Um, the tight, I, I was just uh, thinking about this and actually when it first came up and the spell check didn't work, it says being prepared to plough your own furlough, which... Um, <laughs> Got a topical... Yes, very topical, but not it? quite yeah. the same thing. Um, I'm in a field, by the way, as you say furrow, you know, I'm kind of like, a, I'm, I'm on a tractor going down. You are absolutely in your tractor. I'm not thinking of crisps as well, furrows. Oh. <laughs> I think, I think that this is a real dichotomy for me about youth versus um, aged wisdom, because I think it's, it's quite often the source of regret. It's often things that people bring into conversations with me, I wish I had. I wish I had when I was younger. And I don't know how you overcome that. If it's, you only get wisdom with age, how do you plough your own furrow early on or mm. early enough for it to be fruitful? Um, because I think we might lack confidence to do it when we're younger. Um, and I think I was built to conform and follow rules. 
I have to say, ploughing my own furrow. Um, have I done that? Probably. But as I've moved away from the do the right thing, conforming, following the rules. So um, much as I'd love to be a rebel, uh, it, it wasn't in my DNA. It's not in my DNA to stand up and, and rebel. It's to make things better, more fulfilling, doing the right thing. I, it, it's quite a hard one for me to plough my own furrow. But then if I look back and think, well, again, this is about your ability to take risks and balanced with all the other things that we've talked about. Um, I think for me, it would be noticing when I, when I've drawn a lifeline of, of my life and looked at it, I can see how risk averse I've been at times. But bizarrely, when I'm most stressed and stretched, that's when I take risks. <laughs> I don't take risks in quiet moments. I take them when uh, you know, it seems like the burning platform. That's when I take it out. I have nothing else to lose at this point. So I don't think you need to plan to plough your furrow. I think sometimes things emerge. Um, I see too many people who come in thinking they should have reached a stage in their life and they should be ploughing their own furrow. And I think that can be quite damaging. So the bit of, it links back into the self-care is noticing when it's right for you to do plough your own furrow. So whether that's emotionally, personally, in your work life, it's finding what suits you and not looking outwards at what other people are doing. I think that's really important. It, the emphasis for me is your own. Yeah, not, not a furrow that you think, oh, that looks, that looks like I should be doing this. Yeah, um, or possibly under the influence of others. Other people saying to you, you know what, this is really good if you yeah. do this. Are you happy with your furrow? <laughs> like your I am. Furrow, I am now. Yeah. Uh, wasn't for a, you know for some time, um, but I think there's. As you say that, I was thinking about a couple of instances where it really has been a little bit like the burning platform, you know. And I, I think a couple of those are um, the decision that we made, myself and my wife, to set up the business. Yeah. In 2001, when the kids were, <laughs> kids were really young yeah. and all those things around mortgage payments and, oh my God, are we going to, is this going to work? And at the same time, moving to a much bigger house. Um, so that, you know, there's quite a lot of anxiety yeah. and there was something about trusting intuitively that we'd done the right thing. So I think a bit like you, your sense of saying, well, you know, Sometimes it just comes, and you know when those, you know when those moments are. But that that's certainly been one of the biggest things for me. And I guess the last thing on for me on that would be also is around without this being a, everyone needs a coach advert. Is I think what would have helped would have had that mirror that coaching to help me think about what my furrow might be as well. Yeah. Um, and take first steps. I may have done it earlier. Yeah. Um, that's what I would say if I'd had someone to think it through with me. Um, that wasn't a direct relation or <laughs> had Absolutely. a vested interest in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So are we on to number three, David? <laughs> we are on to Finally, number three. <laughs> your third life lesson. So my, my, my third one, and I, I'll, I'll keep this brief because, uh, I, I mean, Nat King Cole doesn't get mentioned enough, um, <laughs> you know, for me. Uh, this absolutely incredible voice and beautiful um, jazz player and singer. Uh, and I think it's Nature Boy. 
actually is the, is the song, but he says that the greatest thing you will ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. Mm. And there's something about connectedness. And I know in a way it can sound a bit preachy. You know, this, we, we, we just get in today's world, and I'm sure it's been around for decades, but going beyond goods and chattels. Yeah. Knowing that when push comes to shove, it's about the connections. It's about who we're with if we have a life partner. It's about our family around us. It's about our close friends. Um, we're social creatures and, and, and we need that. Uh, and I suppose the way that that plays itself out for me is, is that inner sanctum of my family um, and my close friends but in some of the other things that I've become part of or in some instances I've instigated. So things like, um, you know, I partly instigated setting up a book group a couple of years ago. Uh, the coaching groups that you and I are part of, you know, that meet every six weeks or so, they're, yeah. they're incredibly important to me because they're, they're people that I can really um, disarm with, I can really kind of yeah. talk to and, and, and be around and, and be vulnerable and talk about instances that I need to talk about, you know, so, um, the, you know, the music, the Pilates, those sorts of things that make up our typical week, um, those things to me, are, I'm, it's not that I haven't done them before, but I'm more grateful for them now. I, I see them more for what they are and how important they are. And I think part of this has become more significant because of what we faced. And that's around the pandemic. Yeah. And it, I do have a sense as well that we, we, we've just been for a short break and we've gone into a very crowded cafe to have a coffee before we kind of came and recorded the second episode. It's just <laughs> full of people. Yeah. I mean, whatever it was a year ago, you know, it, it, it was a very, very different picture. And, you know, it's, there's something about just really, really appreciating the connectedness. And I, I suppose for me, it's like, who are those people in your inner circle who, that, that you feel really connected to? And what other things help you have that wider connectedness to, which I I would say is really important. So I suppose we're, we're coming towards the end of this episode. What's your, what's your final take? I mean, we, there's lots more life lessons. There's stacks of them and we might, we might come back to We've this. But what's, what's your, what's your thought overall? Um, I guess when I, I'm, I'm sort of listening to all of this, if I was listening to this, I would be thinking, Oh, Oh, do I need to do this? I need to be more resilient. I need to connect myself in. I think for me, this is just offering, it's not a menu even, it's just to, something to soak in for a little bit and, and think, where am I relative to one of these things? What would I like more of? What do I do, need to do less of? Um, what might help me with some of this? Um, or you may choose not to take life lessons and, and, and plough your own furrow. I think for me, it's just small and starting off if I were looking at this now, I would pick one thing to think that really appealed to me um, and think about how I might manage myself in that. And, and final thoughts from you? Oh, similar. I mean, I, you know, it, it, it's meant, I think, as a bit of, uh, what is it, argent provocateur? Um, maybe. You know, maybe. Well, uh, on to soupçons. Um, <laughs> it, it, it is... To, 
hopefully to encourage people to think a bit about well what what, what are the things that I've learned um I do also another metaphor that that I've often smiled wryly to myself about is I, I I think for me life is a bit like snakes and ladders and you know there's plenty of snakes that we slide down before we learn from those mistakes and and, and ladders that we climb up and we hope we climb more ladders than we we you know and Water's got to come into this somewhere, I suppose, as well, you know, <laughs> at some point. But I think there is something about accumulation um, yeah. over time and learning from things that have gone gone by. But it, it's certainly a, it's it's worth thinking about. Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, and if you did, please subscribe. If you want to contact us or learn more, all our details on how to do that are in the show notes.